the comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. Thank you, Emily, and we can now add to that all around the world on about 27 pod sites and Roku. If you know what Roku is, it is a streaming device that you can get for your television. And right there, you can have us in the menu under uh, The View from a Pew, and all the shows that we're doing uh, will be on that. So your friends, wherever they may live, uh, can sit there and watch on their 280-inch screen, uh, which would be awful scary to see my face that big. But we do have that on Roku now for you. Thanks to Garth, our uh, our producer. He's the one that got all that done for us. I take, I take no credit. He's the guy. And also, I want to thank Delmar Austin for being my guest host again this week. As we wrap up answering the question, what does the Bible say about pre-flood world. We know a lot about afterwards, but what about before it happened? We're on the last day now, so we're kind of entering into Genesis 10, uh, which is Nimrod, the mighty hunter. And uh, we have talked about the fact that there is very limited information about that pre-flood world, the antediluvian world before the deluge comes and, and destroys the world. And we talked about it, it was happening because of the massive amount of violence that was in this world. Now, the flood takes place. Mankind that has refused to go on the ark, all except the family of Noah, all of mankind is destroyed. And so they start again. And you would, you would think after this, this amazing event of a of a, a complete flood over the, all the earth takes place, and this family is saved in the boat. That from now on things are going to be good, and we're all going to live happily ever after, right? No, that's not the way the story goes on. In fact, it's not very long; a few generations, and the world is actually gathering together and fighting against God. And one of the leaders of this is a man by the name of Nimrod. The Bible talks about him as a great hunter. And uh, even though hunter was probably a legitimate word to translate there, it could also mean a warrior, someone who was, a, again, a strong, powerful man that uh, could be leading in, uh, in the violence and the evil that begins to grow again in the world. Um, interestingly, his name means rebel, and uh, you go really? back to, yeah, his actual name, when Nimrod. Use, when you call somebody a Nimrod, it's not a compliment. No, it's not. And it's, it's had that connotation too, but, but you look into the original language, and it means rebel. Someone who is rebelling. And you go back to the, the root word is marauder. <laughs> marauder is the, uh, the uh, meaning that's behind the, all that. And that word so, comes from murder. That's right. Yeah. So here is, here is a man uh, who is again trying to fight 
and it appears against God. In fact, Josephus, this is not in the Bible here, but both Josephus, the, um, the great historian, tells us that Nimrod, and, and he gets this information, by the way, uh, from uh, Jewish rabbis who have kept information through the, through the years, uh, Nimrod wanted revenge against God for the drowning of all of those who died in the flood, all of those that were resisting God, fighting against God. And uh, that's one of the reasons the Tower of Babel was built, in order that God could not send a flood that would be so high that everybody would perish. They could all climb up on the tower and be, uh, be free from that. They would, this wouldn't happen to them. So Nimrod is apparently one of the early characters after the flood who is trying to create this kind of resistance to God. And what happens at the Tower of Babel? God confuses their language. They can't talk to each other. They can't communicate. So what happens to them? They are scattered around the earth. Speaking languages that other people don't know. Yes. Languages that they are not, you know, totally new languages that no one has ever heard before. And now they are going to different parts of the world. And it is part of what creates at least a level of peace in this world because it's not just people fighting against each other uh, all the time. They're going out into tribes uh, rather than all being united together. But it's interesting, looking at this period, it is showing us some things about how they're reacting to what happened at the time of the flood. And even though this is all comes from the family of Noah, it, it is really sad in a way because most of the family of Noah have turned against God. And this opens the door for God to look for someone in this world. And God finds a man by the name of Abram. And Abram becomes the one that begins to have faith again, who begins to walk with God, who begins to follow God and do his will. Yeah, and Abram, of course, ends up being Abraham, and he's the father of Israel. Yes. And so we finally have someone who's going to be committed to God. Boy, is he going to be tested. Yeah. You know, I think that today there is still a uh, kind of a fascination with uh, the some of the ideas of the pre-flood world, uh, all these great men of renown, all these great warriors that that the Bible talks about that that lived during that time that were very violent men, you know, one of the things that uh, still sells the best uh, in the movies and comic books, whatever, is all these superheroes, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we, a lot of people just get caught up in uh, superheroes and all the different things that they do. That's, that's not really surprising. The, also, what was happening in the world with all the violence that was taking place, all the evil that was happening, is they were just forgetting about God. They were living lives without God. 
Well, and the Greeks were creating a god of rain, a god of sunshine, a god of love. So whatever you wanted, you could go to that particular god and supposedly get it from them. But uh, it's not exactly the way it works out. And those and those gods were much more like man. Yes. <laughs> they, but they had the, the, our same weaknesses, our same liabilities, and they they shrouded or they they kept us from seeing a better view of a righteous and a loving God that uh, were important for those that were following God. One of the biggest things today I think that we face in the secular world is the fact that in the secular world there's no place for God. There's no real place uh, for uh, understanding how he's worked in this world and uh, um, you know, among those who don't believe in God, the flood story, it's interesting, most, most of the, the of people that don't believe in God, they don't believe in that flood story either. They don't believe that that time came when they had to make up their, up their minds, they had to choose whether they were going to know God and follow God and follow his ways or not. Well, you know, it just kind of shows that uh, God's in control, and he loves us, and he wants the best for us, but we're his. And if we don't follow him and worship him and do what he asks, we're not going to be in the picture anymore. Yeah. And that's our decision. So, we we yeah. are living in a world that is becoming more and more violent all the time. Now, st- those that, that work with statistics will tell you that we actually have less and less chance of actually dying individually from violence uh, as far as uh, percentage of chances. But the thing is, the number of violent deaths in the world is still increasing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that is, and I believe that's the way that God counts things. God sees the number of lives that are being lost in this world. And we have all sorts of ways of taking human life today. And uh, people are losing their lives. And it's a clear sign that we're getting close to that time that Jesus talked about when he would return back to this earth again. Yeah, it just seems uh, so unbelievable that the whole world seems to have turned uh, against America and against Israel. And we have been allies since day one, uh, but it's just uh, not going very well. And, and most of our allies are, shh, we don't want to talk about this. We don't. We, no, no. Don't don't take a, a call from Biden. Don't take a call from anybody in America that's trying to end this war uh, that Hamas has started. Well, we we're definitely living in the times the Bible talked about that the Bible prophesied about, and uh, how things were only going to become more violent before Jesus returns again. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. All right. Uh, Would you close us with a uh, Thanksgiving week prayer and uh, help us to all remember what we're thankful for, Pastor? Let's do that. Father in heaven, I want to thank you very much for your word, which continues to bring about conviction into our lives and into our hearts. Father, we see 
what the devil has done and how he has turned so many hearts of people away from you and how the world has become evil, how the world has become violent, and what you did in history uh, to bring that to an end. Father, we pray that you will continue to show this world and help our lives, help our lives to make a difference so that others can know more about your love. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, and I want to thank a lot of people who make this program possible year after year after year. The View from a Pew is now in its 20, I'm sorry, its 14th year. And that's since Jesus mugged me. You can take it all the way back to 1994 when we started talking about faith and values on secular radio. And uh, we caught a lot of heck for that back then, but it was the hound of heaven coming after you and coming after me and trying to teach us how good it is to follow him, uh, the one who claims us, the one who saves us. Thank you especially to DivineTruthChristian.com. They are a Christian bookstore that does have uh, brick and mortar here in Omaha, Nebraska. But online, you can order anything you want. And here's what's cool. When you get ready to place your order, one of the family that owns Divine Truth will come on the phone with you, and you'll actually have good old-fashioned customer service. So thanks to DivineTruthChristian.com, and thank you very much for listening. Christian Store, where you'll find more.